So years ago, when we first moved to Hickory, North Carolina, this is in the year 2000, we lived over here on 6th Street in a house we rented um, just up from Holy Trinity. And so, I, you know, I was kind of excited to not be living in Richmond, Virginia, where we could actually kind of ride our bikes on the side of the road here and not be killed by an 18-wheeler. And uh, except for on Geithner, that's a whole other whole subject. But... One day I am riding my bike with my helmet on and, you know, I've got my gloves on and I'm on my, I'm on my mountain bike and I had been over riding at the trails over there at Gatineau Park and I'm riding back to our house and, and right over here, if you've ever driven down, you know, 16th curves and it goes down to 6th and then it kind of starts to go up the hill up towards Holy Trinity and all that, but there still is a sign right there and it's got a biker on it and the sign says, anybody know what it says? Share the road, right? It's right there. Share the road. Share the road. So I'm riding back to the house, and here comes along one of the kids, actually two of the students in our youth group. They don't know it's me because I've got my helmet on. They can't see me. They don't know what's going on. And as, I, as, they're, as they're coming by me, they roll down the window, and they go, share the road. I get back to the house, and they're still, like, out getting stuff out of the car. And I go, and they're like, they look at me, and they're like, oh. That was you. And I was like, yeah, that sign's for you. You share the road with me. I was literally in the gutter. I can't share it anymore with you. And they were kind of like, oh, I thought that was for the biker. <laughs> yeah, because I'm so, you know, I'm going to take you out on my mountain bike. This, this, chapter, this chapter is yet another spoke in the wheel of Paul coming to the Corinthians and saying, Corinthians? This whole church thing is not about you. This whole following Jesus and being a, being a disciple of Christ, it's not about you. It's not about how you can be built up. It's not about how you can be lifted up. It's not about putting the spotlight on you. It's about Christ. It's about the whole body. And so when we come to this text, we come to this text and some of y'all are like, we're in a reformed church talking about speaking in tongues. Can you like, get an irony out to iron out the irony? I mean, come on. So let's talk about those things. First of all, let's go big picture. Let's go big picture because some of y'all are going to have no idea what I'm going to talk about for the next two or three minutes. And some of y'all are going to be like, oh man, I can't wait for him to hammer those people or hammer those people. I'm not going to do either. I'm just going to give you a big picture. Let me give you two theological points of view and two theological camps where Christians who love Christ and believe in the truth of Scripture fall. So we've got two different camps. One is the group that is called, they're called cessationists. Say that word with me, cessationists. That means, you know, where do we get the other words from that? To cease, to desist, those words that come from that. So a cessationist, they would come to this text and they would say, listen, I'm coming to this text from the viewpoint of saying, listen, these sign gifts like speaking in tongues, like prophecy, like healing, these were gifts that were only used during the apostolic period of the church. Then after the apostolic period of church, after the first church, the beginning church, the apostles and, and the ministry of the apostles, that gift ceased to be a part of what was going on in the church. It was used for a time to build the church. It was used for a time to edify. That's We get the word edifice, to edify, to build up the church, but now it is no more. Now there is another camp, and they are called continuationists. Say that word with me, continuationists. Where do we get another word from that? 
continue. So you can get where this comes from. These are people, these are Christians who believe that the gifts, the sign gifts did not end with the apostolic period, that they continue on. That these gifts continue. The, the people that spoke in tongues then, there are people that speak in tongues now. These gifts continue on. Now we've got to recognize that there are Christians, again, I'm going to say this one more time, that love the Lord and that believe in the divine empowerment of Scripture that fall on both ends of the spectrum. And so first of all, we want to approach this with love and charity, and I'm going to say that again later on, but I'm also in full disclosure going to tell you that I'm a continuationist. But I'm not going to preach this sermon banging that into you. And Bob, of course, is going to give you even more, even more big picture things. But then let's talk about the specific gifts of the Spirit, specifically the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues. We're going to have to approach this topic with love and with charity because we're not talking about some people out there or those people or we don't have an us and them mentality. That, that is exactly what the, our culture is more and more polarized. And yes, we're going to be talking about the fact that people that do not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, do not believe that he has been raised from the dead, do not believe in the scripture, do not believe in the things that we say in the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, there's an us and them. We're going to divide over the essentials. Absolutely, there's going to be a division over the essentials. But this is going to be the fact that we're talking about family. We're talking about family. Grace Church over here, which is an Assemblies of God church. Now, they have a church downtown. I believe they're planting another church. That's not them. That's our family. Those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we have gone to Guatemala year after year after year and we go up the hill to the little blue church on top of the hill, that church that we worship with every week when we are there is a Pentecostal church. They call it the gospel completa, or the complete gospel. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And a matter of fact, Bob and I were talking this past week, the Pentecostal church is the fastest growing church in the world. So when you go down to Latin America, when you go into Asia, when you go into Africa, the Pentecostal church is growing by leaps and bounds. And so we can't have this like them. That's our family. Those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They too call Jesus Christ the Son of God. They believe that he died for their sins and rose again. They believe that the Bible is divine and errant inspired word of God. They believe these things. And so we're not going to go us and them. But we do need to come to the place where we have to come to the come to the understanding that as we talk about these two camps or as you talk about these places that you can fall in, there's a danger in any of the places that you fall. So there's a danger, first of all, you know, Molly is dealing with this on the campus of Carolina. So basically there are people that are kind of like coming up to her and they're saying, hey, listen, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, I know you've been baptized, but have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you receive the gift of tongues. And we know that true believers or real believers are the ones who speak in tongues. My friends, this is nothing that's new that's been going on in the world for the last 2,000 years. These, there have been continuing levels of what has been called Gnosticism. This idea of we can have Jesus, but we have to have this other secret inner knowledge to really be in the real, real inward part of this. Now listen, before I go right back to 1 Corinthians 12, where, he, where Paul says, To some I gave the gift of teaching, to some I gave the gift that God gave the gift of prophecy, to some, he gave the gift of tongues. So right there in scripture, God tells us through Paul, not to everyone, but to some. So to some, we're given this. So to this idea that there's only the real people, or the people that really are saved are the ones that speak in tongues, is frankly not biblical. 
But on the other hand, there's a group of people that say, you know what, this speaking in tongue things, it is not biblical. It is not good. Christians shouldn't do it. We need to just, it is us and them. The, the, we're the right ones and they're the wrong ones. Hang on. Do you know who spoke in tongues? Paul did. Do you know who spoke in tongues? Peter and the disciples did. Do you know where the precedent for speaking in tongues comes from? Scripture. So and it's, it's not this idea that, you know what, you know, there's biblical precedent for it. So we can't just write it off and go, well, there's no biblical precedent for that. We have to come to this and we have to have charity about it and we have to have understanding. But even when we have these questions, let's admit that we have questions about speaking in tongues. It's mysterious to us. It is something that we don't understand. It is something that maybe in our tradition, we don't know. Some of you all, you admit, but in my family, we have folks that go to this Pentecostal church or folks that go to this full gospel church or whatever. And I've heard and I've been there when people speak in tongues. And I've been there when people spoke in tongues. So we have questions, and maybe your question is this, because I think this is the greatest question, but it can be either critical or it can lead you to a place of biblical and charitable understanding. So the question might be, and this may be this, the most critical question of speaking in tongues might be, why does it always center around the Pentecostals? You ever thought about that, or is it just me? You mean like, I, anybody want to speak in tongues right now, and anybody want to, want to interpret? That's what I thought, Right? Like, I, I'm always wondering, I was like, the St. Luke's is somebody like right after someone goes, I want to speak in tongues, and someone says, I want to, I want to interpret, and they go, okay, here we go. But it happens in the Pentecostal church, and we kind of, and there's a part of us, in the critical part of us, that goes, hmm. And we, from an air of superiority, look down on it and go, oh, well, maybe, you know, what's going on? But Danielle said something wonderful to me the other day when we were talking about this, and she said, but could it also be? That the Lord gave the gift of tongues to the Pentecostals as something that bonded them, that unified them, that edifies, builds up their body. And I thought when she said that, I was like, that's the exact example of the charitable, Christ-like response that we want to have to our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I'm glad that Bob's got the application part. <laughs> but I want to set it up by saying that Bob is going to show you a video, and it's a chari- I think it's a charitable video. Of, uh, is, can I introduce it? Since sure, I go it? ahead. And this is uh, Pat Boone. I know some of y'all have been rocking his CDs lately. Um, but this is Pat Boone and his pastor, not flamboyantly, but very joyfully speaking in tongues. Let's watch it. God has done so much for us over the years. Let's just raise him worship him right now. Yeah, right? gladly. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You've been so good to see Harold Praise you, Lord. Thou art worthy, O Lord God. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord God. <laughs> Now, now, you say you would like to get a, a walking shot? I don't know why that last comment is on there. But at any rate, so I knew that for, for some of you, like you've never heard speaking in tongues, what would it be like? I, I loved this video because of the, the joy and the sense of depth and meaning that these individuals experience as they speak in tongues together. 
So uh, I'm, I'm going to talk so fast, I'm, I'm compressing a 30-minute sermon into about eight minutes here, so it's going to sound like I'm speaking in tongues, all right? But I'm, I'm really not. So uh, if you want the fuller comments, of course, Pastor Paul will have a full sermon at, at the contemporary service, and I will at traditional, and then a minor also. Uh, the, the print sermons are available as well if you want to read more detail. But let me just give you some brief points. Can we show that now, the PowerPoint for the sermon? Here we go, here we go, coming up. All right, so the title is All You Need to Know About Speaking in Tongues, which sounds a little arrogant, and I don't really think I can tell you all you need to know, even in 30 minutes, much less eight. But let me tell you that outside the book of Acts, which is where it records people actually speaking in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14 is the only place in the New Testament that deals with this matter extensively. So when we're there, like all we need to know from the letters of Paul is right here. So I make seven uh brief points about this, and my clicker's not clicking, all right? So first of all, it's not new. Pastor Paul's already covered that one. Uh, And so when Paul says, like, I want every one of you to speak in tongues, they know exactly what he's talking about 2,000 years ago. Second slide, I'm going to let you guys switch it. It's more common than than you think. Do you realize that if you add up evangelicals, all the evangelicals in the world who do not speak in tongues and compare them to Pentecostals and Charismatics, it's two to one in favor of the Pentecostals and Charismatics versus evangelicals who don't speak in tongues. So this is very common and where the church has grown most rapidly in the world, as Pastor Paul has said, uh, uh, it's usually charismatic growth. And countries like Guatemala, there are three countries in the world where the number of charismatic and Pentecostal Christians actually is more than 50% of the population as a whole, not just of the church. Third slide. It's in the Bible. So, you know, when you go like, I don't like this, this is weird or whatever, like, okay, but it's in the Bible. And uh, the Apostle Paul here is actually talking about people who do not speak to people but to God. So the idea of a, of a heavenly language where people have a private conversation with God in a language they don't know, that's in the Bible. Next slide. It's very real and very important to some. So one of the sermons I listened to this week was by a charismatic preacher, and he said, people skip right over this part of the verse, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally because Paul is a but right after it, which is but make sure that you edify, but they miss this part, like who wouldn't want to be spiritually strengthened? So his point was, this is very critical and important to some people in their spiritual life and growth. Next slide, it's creepy and disturbing to others. So you may be in that category, but let's be honest. So if you are one who speaks in tongues, not everybody gets it. And Paul says, look, if inquirers or unbelievers come in, and that first word, inquire, can kind of be like skeptic, so it can even imply people who are skeptical about speaking in tongues. So if somebody, if this isn't their experience, and they walk into your worship service and you're speaking in tongues, then they're going to say, like, you're crazy. Because for a lot of people, this sounds like craziness, right? Next slide, it is perilous to be either pro or con. I love the part of this text where the Apostle Paul says, so what am I going to do? Now, you can read that a couple of different ways. One, you can read it up. He's setting them up for exactly what he knows he's going to say and do. But I kind of wonder if Paul's going, maybe he paused at that point. Maybe he waited a day till he wrote the next part. Because he's, what he's wrestling with is the difference between how you connect God with, uh, with your mind and how you connect with your spirit to the Holy Spirit. And so we would call that being objective or subjective or being emotional or logical. And Paul is playing those against each other. And he's saying, you know, some people 
connect with God better and with others with their mind and others more with their spirit or with their emotions. And he's going like, what are we going to do about that? And he wants you to ponder that. So my experience is that because of the extremes, uh, not really extremes, but because of the, a large plurality of people on both ends of the spectrum that Pastor Paul talked about, there are the sensationists and the continuationists. Like, because of that, almost no matter, I realized when I was going to preach on this text, almost no matter what I say, I'm probably going to tick somebody off, right? So especially in our world with 2,000 years of people wrestling with this topic. So that gets me to this last slide, which is really one of, where I want to spend just a minute or two, um, and then I'm done. Some of you have maybe been recent in your wrestling with this issue. Maybe this is even the first time you've heard anybody talk about it publicly. For others of you, it's a long uh, uh, trajectory in your life in terms of uh, hearing about speaking in tongues or perhaps, e perhaps even speaking in tongues or being in a church that did. What I think most people uh, forget when they talk about 1 Corinthians 14 is that it follows 1 Corinthians 13. You know 1 Corinthians 13, don't you? So that's a chapter that is sandwiched in the middle of 12 and 14. 12 is an introduction to the idea of spiritual gifts. 14, he, he zeroes in on speaking in tongues and prophecy, which is basically the ability just to speak God's word to people, the way I would define it. So it's, by, it's no accident, and you remember how 1 Corinthians 13 starts? Most people who know this chapter, even people outside the chapter, don't even think about why Paul says this. The introduction to the love chapter is, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So Paul has already introduced this idea and he uses an if at the beginning of it. So whether I do or not, no matter what my position is or practice on speaking in tongues, if it, does, if it is not bathed in and guided by love, then I'm just making noise, right? doesn't matter what I'm preaching about or saying. So this began to, to really drive what I wanted to leave you with today. When Paul starts chapter 14, he says... Pursue love, like seek spiritual gifts, but the word pursue is like a hunting term. You are hot on the trail, and it's a continuous action verb. Keep going after love, because there are so many things that will distract you and destroy you if you don't say whatever I think or do, the driving force has to be love. And what Paul does is he models for us what love looks like when you talk about something that tends to divide people like the gift of tongues. And what he says to those who don't speak in tongues, he says, listen, it's not about you. Don't make it about you. If you criticize or condescend toward people who speak in tongues or you say they're mentally ill or they're just faking it, Paul says, I speak in tongues. Here we have our apostle, the one who's really responsible for taking the gospel into Turkey and Greece and all across Asia Minor. And he goes like, I'm your man. I taught Jesus to you and I speak in tongues. So be careful what you say about people who speak in tongues without thinking. 
And then he says to those who do speak in tongues, make it about love. It's not about you. It's not about you coming into a church service and showing off that you've got this gift. It's not about you being better than someone who worships God or talks to God in a different way. Think about the impact of what you do if you show up and speak in tongues in public and nobody can interpret what you're saying. Then people are just confused. You want to strengthen people. You want to build them up. You want to love them. Consider the impact of what you're doing. And Paul is just modeling for us what does 1 Corinthians 13 really look like when you believe all things and bear all things and hope all things and endure all things, when you're patient and kind, when on an issue like speaking in tongues, other people may see it differently than you do. So let me close by talking to my confirmands for just a moment. So uh, when I was a teenager, I had a lot of struggles. This part of my story, I think I've shared with you. I had a lot of struggles about whether I really knew Jesus or not. And people kept telling me, like, you just need to pray the right prayer, do it in the right way, really mean it. And if you really mean it, and then you get uh, baptized and your life changes from then on, then you'll really know that you know that you know that you belong to Jesus. And the focus was so much on what I was supposed to do, it really confused me. It threw me off kilter. And it wasn't until I realized that it's what Jesus did for me that is my confidence, not what I did, all right? It's holding on to what Jesus did. We've talked about that. The next part of what I'm going to tell you we didn't talk about in confirmation because during that really anxious time, and I was, I was the same age as most of you, I still remember where I was sitting in my parents' room talking on the telephone. Nobody was home, and I need to say a little something to you guys because in those days, we only had landlines, and there were only two in the whole house, right? So I'm just saying, I, would, I either had to be in the kitchen or in my parents' bedroom to talk on the telephone. I'm talking to a, on the telephone to a female friend of mine, and she's going, Bob, I hear your struggles. It's really tough. What you really need is to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then you'll speak in tongues, and then you can really, you'll have a assurance, you'll have a, a richness, you'll have confidence, like you'll, things will be better if you just seek that gift. And honestly, I don't even remember whether I did or not. I do remember saying to God, like, if that's what I need, then give me that. You know, I don't remember how desperate it was, but it was one more person saying, this is what I've experienced, and if you'll just experience what I experienced, then spiritually you'll be all good. That's always taking us down the wrong path. And it's the path of arrogance, and it's the path of assumption that whatever God does in me, if it really means a lot to me, then you need that same thing too. And the Apostle Paul models for us, and I'm telling you this now as teenagers, because you will run into lots of people. You've already been trained, most of you, no matter whose home you grew up in, like you're really special, you're unique. And you've kind of understood that and bought into that. Like you're, you don't have to look like everybody else. You don't have to have their hairstyle. You don't have to have their height. You don't have to have their weight. You don't have to have their gifts or their experience. You're special. God made you just like you are. You know that? And I'm going like, why wouldn't we assume that God does the same thing for churches? Why wouldn't there be churches who love and celebrate and use the gifts of the Holy Spirit in all of their breadth and, and in their wonder and in their mystery to a lot of the rest of us because there's a certain group of people that they will reach for Jesus that our church will never reach because we don't practice those gifts in the same way. But I would say the same thing to them. Why wouldn't there be churches where the gift of tongues is not practiced because it, precisely because it would be a barrier to others? 
So I just want to encourage you to think about churches the same way you think about individuals and look at them through the lens of love. Love people and churches and what God is doing in all of its wonderful variety in the same way you love what God has done with you and individuals. There will always be people who are going to tell you what you're missing. What you really need is God who comes to us through Jesus and declares us holy when we embrace what he's done in us and through us, and then gives us his Holy Spirit in so many different ways. And as you seek him and love him, he will help you to follow his way. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for the gift of you and for the gift of your word, which speaks to us objectively, to our mind. We can read it, we can analyze it, we can study it. And I thank you for your spirit who speaks to us in in quiet ways, and subjective ways, who works inside of our spirit, inside of our mind, and inside of our heart. And sometimes that's a little bit more difficult to discern. But we thank you that we have this spirit-to-spirit connection with you. And we thank you for the wonderful ways in which you have manifested that in our world and in our lives. And so we pray today that we will have humility and grace, that we will love as we have been loved, especially within the family of God, as we show them uh, your heart at work in ours, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.